what do you get when you mix NASCAR, tetanus shots, and prosthetic limbs? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hi, I'm Alex Duez. I'm Thomas Green. Oh my god, we're back! <laughs> I've been so lonely sitting down here. <laughs> Thomas has just been sitting here by himself. I have been sitting here just watching movies in the hopes that one of them would be one that you watched. <laughs> So that way I could convince you to come over so we could record. I've been lonely. Yeah. That's why I keep bothering all of you guys on Twitter, is because I get lonely. Yeah, I've, I've been lonely too. So this is our triumphant <laughs> return after after so many weeks. Um, we apologize about the long absence. Uh, we've both had personal issues come up. We both have lives. We both have kids. We both have families and, you know, the works. L- Lots, yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff happening, both expected and unexpected, um, and of course, plenty of it unwanted. Uh, yeah, um, but that doesn't mean that we can't see a movie and sit down and talk about it every every once in a while, every yeah. week or so. Um, so definitely, we want to get back to a regular routine because I really sit, you know, enjoy sitting down here and talking with you about yeah. a movie we watched. Um, this is my social interaction. Yeah. It is. This is this is when I get to see people besides my daughter. And while I love my daughter, um, I'm not going to talk about fucking Doc McStuffins and Daniel Tiger anymore. <laughs> I'm not. All I like, all I've got to talk like, basically, because I, I like to ruin kid shows. Yeah. That's how I keep myself entertained. So like, I think, I've, and I think I've talked about on this po- on the podcast before, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I use that, while I watch that show, I look for proof in my belief that Minnie Mouse is an alcoholic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, if, I have, if I'm stuck watching Doc McStuffins, I try to decide exactly what year of college it is that she discovers that she's a lesbian. <laughs> and it's freshman year. Spoiler alert, it's freshman year. <laughs> uh, see, I'm thinking it's sophomore. I'm thinking, I think she has that, like, freshman your boyfriend <laughs> and it just never quite clicks but she starts bonding with people and then she chooses her roommate into the sophomore year yeah. see I watch too much of this shit I can keep going but then it's just gonna sound like I'm doing a porno yeah, yeah. Um, and then with Daniel Tiger same vein essentially but basically I just tried to decide who it's most likely Daniel Tiger loses his virginity to <laughs> My bet is the crippled cousin, Catherine. Okay. That's 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 where that that is where the highest number of odds are. A lot of people would think Katarina Kitten. No, fuck that. Uh-huh. No, no, she's too she's too good for him. She's never gonna let him in. I I, I don't have this warped. You know, maybe I need to do this game while I watch Curious George with my son. Funnily enough, Curious George is the only one I have trouble yeah, figuring out yeah. what I'm going to do. Because Curious George is too wholesome. Curious George is disturbingly wholesome for a show about an animal that should have been put down. <laughs> for the sake of the city. Yeah, no. Like, it should have been like a, it's a, like it should have been like a city mandate uh-huh. of, like... This this animal is going to destroy the city if we're, yeah. if you you know and you're not taking care of him so you're going to jail and we're putting him down yeah well, it's going to be a big public square thing just so that way everyone knows it happened if you're in Pittsburgh there we go I went there I finally got there <laughs> if you're in Pittsburgh this weekend um, or next you could see Curious George at the Children's uh, Museum which I'm sure I'll have to drag my well I'll be dragged to but you know we'll probably bring my kid to at some point. Um, See, that's why you got to work a job where you're 
stuck at your job on every weekend because you're the oh, no, manager who never gets weekends off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so today we're talking about Logan Lucky. <laughs> and uh, but I can't lie, I keep every single... My wife was asking, she was like, oh, what's the movie you guys are doing? Logan Luck, Lucky Logan? Yeah. Sh- it's those two words in some particular order. Yeah. That, I mean, but that really just tells you the effect that this movie had on me, like the impression. And to be, cl- I watched it this morning. Uh huh. So, I, I watched it Tuesday night. It's been about twelve hours since I watched this movie, and I still can't remember the order of the words in the title. So, well, Logan Lucky was directed by Steven Soderbergh, um, starring Channing Tatum and uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Thank you. <laughs> Along with Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Um, Jack Quaid, who is in Jack Quaid, the Incredible The Boys. Yes, who's on Amazon famous Prime. right now for The Boys. Um, the less whiny of the Gleason brothers. Oh, is that him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. The less successful, but also less whiny. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I think my first note is... Because this this was not an easy movie to take notes to. No, no, it's a, it's a very hard movie to take notes to. So while I continue to try to pretend that I have notes that I can come up with, yeah, let's talk some of the uh, fifty million trailers that yeah. we uh, well that since we had we, happen. <laughs> since we last recorded, um, there were plenty and plenty and plenty of trailers. Yeah, um, really, some I'm sure we're gonna miss in our like kind of like real fast push through of, yeah. of what was out there. Um, the couple that we want to, you know, sort of focus on is, uh, sorry, Mother, Mother, Motherless Brooklyn. Yes. Um, starring and directed and written by Edward Norton. And oh, God. I love Edward this, Norton. I Here's the thing. I like Edward Norton in a lot of stuff. I did not think he was a bad Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. I love Death to Smoochie. I think he's hysterical in that. Yeah. And there's a lot of other movies he's really good in. But this is literally taking... Sausage Fest. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sausage Party. Yeah, yeah. But this is... This is literally the time period... Like, the period piece Oscar bait. Yeah. White Savior yeah. Oscar bait. Handicap Oscar bait. And Handicap Oscar bait. All together. He's literally got three... Like, if the if there's a plot twist in this movie that it's all taking place during World War II, <laughs> or he's imagining all of this and he's actually in Auschwitz, yeah. then he's gone for the trifecta. <laughs> like, he literally is covering every base for Oscar bait yeah. movies. Yeah. This was not a bad trailer but it, it it looks exactly like what we're describing it looks super gimmicky it looks like oscar bait to put this into perspective um the other uh trailer that we want to talk about uh the day shall come they are about the same length of time these two trailers yes and Motherless Brooklyn felt about four times as long. Yes. Motherless Brooklyn, by the time that trailer is done, I am so glad it's over. <laughs> because it felt like I just watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. This Day Shall Come, I still want, I want to go see this movie. You want more of that. Like, I want to go see this movie right now. And, the, and literally, the, This Day Shall Come is literally just making fun of the... 
fact that in America, for some reason, the government, when trying to f- look at terrorists, look at black people. Yeah. And just kind of the taking a, com- a you know a comedic look at that you know some taking some levity to a to an unfortunate reality. Yeah. Um, but it looks funny. Um, it's the pre-fame Anna Ken- awkward Anna Kendrick that we all loved yeah. in Up in the Air. Yeah, exactly. That that you know earned her award acclaim during that film. Yeah. Um, but it looks good. Whereas, yeah, Mother's Brooklyn, um, you know, he convinced Alec Baldwin and Willem Dafoe to each come in for a week to be in like twenty minutes of what's probably going to be an almost three hour long movie. Yeah. Well, uh, who's the? Uh, it's Bobby something. I want to say Monahan, but that's oh, not Bobby it. Oh, Bobby Cannavale. Yes, like he is one of the quintessential like. I have a period piece kind of gangster film, like you you were in uh, Boardwalk Empire. So now I've got to like we've got to put you well, in it's, everything it's that is in this, this time period. It's, it's mostly it's hey, um, our movie's set in New York. What's Bobby doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just that means not even like what time period. Yeah, like it's like our movie is set in New York. Well, technically it wasn't New York yet because the, you're doing an adaptation of the new world with the whole, like, Pocahontas and all that. Still, it's set in New York, so can we get Bobby? Yeah, like, yeah it's, exactly. It's always going to be the way. Well, and it should be, because he deserves work. He deserves all the work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you... I loved Boardwalk Empire to death. The first three seasons are, like, some of the best television you can watch. But it goes... It 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 flies down the hill after season four. My, my issue is... I know that there are some amazing actors like Jeffrey Wright, who I am a fan of, that show up later on in that series. Mm-hmm. I pushed myself hard through season one. Yeah. Partially on the knowledge that the character I can stand the least and who is the most pointless, I know when, I know exactly when he's going to die. Yeah. So it's the mindset of, I just need to get there, <laughs> and then he's gone, and he's done, and I can move on, and it gets... I'm sure it'll get better because he yeah. won't be there, but I still haven't been able to hit play on season two. I mean, it's it's a series that I think either people people love it or hate it. Like, I think season one was good to have a great season two, to have a great season three, and then seasons four and five, and I, they might have even had a six. The, it, the, the quality went downhill after the fact, but you have a cast member from, from Boardwalk Empire in your movie, like you're already sold. The fact that Seven Psychopaths has two of the ca- two cast members from Boardwalk Empire mm-hmm. bickering back and forth in the beginning of Seven Psychopaths before they're shot dead oh, by Sam yeah. Rockwell's character sold that movie as one of my favorite films. Like as soon as I hit play, yeah. Um, well, I just I mean honestly that movie got had me sold when it had the whole bit in the trailer with uh, Walken and I forget the name of the actor, but he's one of the best actors out there that nobody realizes they've seen in everything. Yeah. Um, with the the, the, the with whole the thing phone. where he's hmm? the I know I know what you're talking the about. whole the whole where he's just like put your hands up no yeah. <laughs> I've got a gun so I don't care <laughs> it doesn't make any sense too bad <laughs> <laughs> and he even kind of chuckles a little bit when he does it I love like 
that I literally when I saw that part in the trailer, I went, oh, "I'm seeing this movie." Yeah, yeah. The, like this is officially one of my favorite movies, yeah. just because <laughs> of this moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now he's in my he's in my top five favorite directors. Oh, so he's had three of the best. He's films three for the, three. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely. three for three with In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and and his plays are amazing. Like yeah. he he was a playwright before he went over into film and his plays are all fantastic gotcha so back to motherless brooklyn no Um, i'm good (laughs) let's move on from that it chapter two had its second trailer um did we talk about this i feel like you claim we did i look back in my notes i always put in my notes what trailers we're gonna talk about that week uh we had a teaser well we had the teaser that we talked about and then we had comic-con week where there was the full trailer oh yeah yeah Wow, okay. Well, I'm still just thinking... I know they've got initial reactions out, and surprise, surprise, half of them are like, yeah, the adults aren't working. Well, no shit, you got James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain. <laughs> and then a bunch of nobodies. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Hader, the only one who's getting consistent praise from every reviewer yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, I, did do their, I did do the whole... Just like they did with the first movie, they did the like VR 360... Well, not oh, okay. really. Three. They yeah, yeah. did like a VR promotional thing. Uh-huh. So the first movie, you're going through the sewer. Yeah. Uh, for this one, it was the fun house that you see in the trailer. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Uh, the only problem with it is, is that you find yourself just legitimately looking around, just being like, oh, it's... and then you hear something, you go, wait, what? And because you're like whipping your head around trying to see what it is, it can't focus it on enough. Yeah. Next thing you know, though, like the title cards up and you're like wait what happened what scared me what was the scary thing I'm I'm terrified I guess but I don't know why it's Pennywise you, got me it's what you don't see I, that's, that's yes and I didn't see shit like I'm the whole time I'm looking at it going oh this is kind of fun and like am I like and then yeah and then at the very end it just gets so random and weird that you don't know where to look and yeah. then it's over. Well, that's that's um, something I'm going to pass up, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, you got, I want to see you just standing there holding your phone, doing it. Like, not even with an actual VR set in, just holding your phone, doing it. You know, yeah. just bobbing around like that. That'd be a hoot. So what are the... Uh, uh, bombshell trailer, teaser trailer, just recently came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I watched it, my first words to you were, were it's trying to be Spotlight. Um and you, you'd said it's trying to be spotlight. It's trying to be the big short, and I completely agree with with that. And I, not to to get all like feminist preaching, but it's really fucking ridiculous to me that the older of the three women in that trailer, the older they get, the more ridiculous effort was clearly put into trying to make them quote-unquote, Hollywood beautiful. Uh-huh. Like, you can tell that they're trying to make... I, I can't remember the names of the women because I think they should be forgotten from history. Yeah. But I, I can't remember who it is that Charlie Theron and, and Nicole Kidman are... They're trying to make them look like... But then Margot Robbie's just fucking Margot Robbie. Yeah. Like, whoever it is that she's supposed to be, she's not that person. She's just Margot Robbie because yeah. she's still in the, like... The, the fuckable in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, in the, the, like the Hollywood fuckable. Well, so, Shirley's don't, don't do like anything to her. One of the most beautiful 
women on the face of the earth right now. So Nicole Kidman. Like, <laughs> they, the, the, like, they have been consistently beautiful women. Yeah. There has been no aspect of finger-pointing to their age that has had any effect on that. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, like, Charlize Theron looks almost unrecognizable in this. So, Slightly. Uh, like, I don't know if it is her looking more like this person she is portraying, who was a real person who, you know, like, we we have accounts of from just a couple years ago, but, uh, like, well, she to me, she looks very, very different. Well, the other problem is, is that we're making these women, we're trying to make all these women, like, sexy and beautiful because it's, you know, it's a male-directed movie in Hollywood, so mm-hmm. the women have to be sexy, while completely forgetting that the real life, every single... Now, now I'm delving in a little bit into political, and I apologize. But basically, if you're a woman who works or has worked for Fox News, your personality is your personality is so fucking ugly that nothing. <laughs> there's no getting past that part. Yeah. yeah. Like, I could not tell you what any of these women in real life actually look like. Mm-hmm. I just remember how ugly their personalities and the way they talked and the way they behaved were Mm. and that dominates for me so to have a movie that's essentially whether it means to or not is glorifying them as like these beautiful modelish women yeah is fucking stupid to me yeah um you know we'll obviously see more when we see a full trailer yeah um but those are our thoughts for right now. Yeah. Uh, I see you have Honey Boy on the list here because, God damn it, Honey Boy looks incredible. It does. It you say that does. like you're fucking surprised. It's Okay, here's the thing. It was such... The Shia LaBeouf you, you were literally You were literally at the tail end of Shia LaBeouf's, like, begging for attention oh, by yelling God. at people for giving him attention thing. And all of a sudden, your all, fucking of, all of a sudden, he's going, <laughs> I'm going to make a movie about my life, and I'm going to play my dad. Yeah. And you're just like, and like, and listening to it, and thinking about the person that he's been so far in the public eye, and all I can think is, that's a, oh, God, no. Like, oh, God. And then, I wa- and then I watch the trailer, and it's a legitimately fascinating trailer. Yeah. It's a, like, I mean, I don't know how the movie as a whole is going to, is going to flow Mm -hmm. functionally, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it does not look like a bad movie. I, I think Shia LaBeouf, he, he, people kind of love him or hate him, but, like, he has had his, like, Shia LaBeouf renaissance. He... He was incredible in Fury. Like he's he's very rarely straight up bad in movies. Like he he's a very competent actor. He did have his like. It's not his that he's a, it's not that he's a bad actor. Mm-hmm. It's that he's very much him as the character. Yeah, which it worked when he was the you know. The mouthy kid in Even sidekick kid in iRobot, okay, or the yeah. mouthy sidekick kid in Constantine. Uh-huh. Like when he was doing those roles, it worked. Yeah, it worked. But like 
the reality is, you watch him in iRobot, and you watch him, even in the trailer for this new, like, Peanut Butter Falcon or whatever, like, it's still, there's still, like, at least 50% of the performance is the same. Yeah. Because it's the it's the him that dominates over it all, mm-hmm. and the for for lack of a better reference point, just because it's a it's a modern way to go with it. Kristen Stewart clearly never got enough of an ego about herself to really stick into her. Uh-huh. She lives in a, a niche genre. In the indie world, to be sure. Yeah. But the performances aren't necessarily just blatantly like, oh, it's just her being her. The personal shopper is a very different performance from, um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but the Saint of Cloud, like Cloud Mary or the Clouds of Saint Mary. Okay. It was the movie that, like, Everyone was sick of her, and then she had this movie come out, and film festivals wanted to throw all the awards at her, and everyone got confused. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but she, like, her and her indie life, has she's been phenomenal. Yeah. You know, she's in movies, and she's in movies now, and I want to go see them because she's in them. Yeah. I mean, Shia Shia loves that way for me. <laughs> yes. But you're, like... I see your giggliness about it. it but it's but like, I think he's a he's a legitimately good actor. Like I, I don't think he's a bad actor. I but I think he needed there was a point in there where we went past our point of no return mm-hmm. in my opinion of him getting the humility he needed to really hone into the range that he's capable of. Yeah. And the honey boy might prove that he actually is capable of of veering into that. Yeah. But well, I think he he's such a unique character. Like he is he's such a sort of like he he wants all this attention and and yeah, like some of it he seems to love and some of it he seems to hate and like when he did a no. live stream of him in the movie theater watching all of his movies back to back and like crying at different parts and laughing like at his performances and like part of that was a performance but it was also just like look at how fucking zany I am like I have no idea this this that this was he, a thing he sat in the movie theater and played all of his movies back to back like in chronological order like just once he starred in or yeah, once, anything that he had ever once been he starred in and the oh, camera so no. was on him, and he was like, there was audience members like coming and going. He was like laughing and crying. Like this was a this was a big spectacle, big stunt. And then like shortly thereafter, he made a movie that like only came out on one screen, and he was the only person who bought a ticket for it because he didn't want else anyone else to see it. Like he wanted it to be the smallest grossing movie of all time. Shia LaBeouf has a fucking crazy life. You need, you need to look into it a little bit more. It seems. <laughs> you know, after after the whole "I'm gonna sit in a room with a paper bag over my head" stunt, <laughs> that was the point where I was that that was the point where I was like, I'm gonna give him what he claims he wants, and I'm gonna stop giving him attention. <laughs> I know that's not what he actually wants, but yeah. because. But just like I do with my toddler. Yeah. 
just because you actually want the attention, the fact that you're telling me you don't want, I'm going to give you that instead. <laughs> I'm going to give you that instead and see how you feel. I, I think he's great. I think we're going to look at Shia LaBeouf in a couple years and he's going to be just as well loved as Keanu Reeves. I don't think I'm crazy for saying that. I don't think I'm crazy at all. The views of Alex Duas do not necessarily <laughs> reflect, reflect the views of the entire team of the podcast, The Movies After Work. <laughs> the Movies After Work. I like that. We need to throw the the in there. <laughs> all right. Any other trailers um, that you'd like to discuss? The last one that I really want to throw out, I had another one on here, but I don't really have much to say except for it looks good. Um, uh, American Dreamer, which is Jim Gaffigan in a rare dramatic role, mm -hmm. lead role, and the whole concept to this movie is he is an Uber driver trying to make, a guy who's doing like Uber driving to make ends meet, dealing with like bad family life, yada yada yada, ends up pseudo befriending a drug dealer. Okay. And in an effort to get money that he needs, kidnaps the drug dealer's child. Okay. And it's just, and then ends up, you know, because the drug dealer doesn't know it's him, you know, he ends up along for the ride of hunting for the kidnapper. So it's this whole, like, like watching the trailer was honestly more intense than a lot of movies that come out these days. Gotcha. So, I mean, does it does it look like there's an edge of comedy to it, or no? Is it oh like no, dramatic? no, no! Fucking! <laughs> I mean, we're literally talking about a Jim Gaffigan who is a like divorced mm -hmm. bottom feeder sort of human being. So the follow up to the Jim Gaffigan child. show. Ooh! <laughs> wow! That's that's the guys through or the, or the the perspective through which I'm going to view this movie. Wow! <laughs> I mean, you do you. Does that's... his does his uh, wife's gay best friend Michael Ian Black show up halfway through the movie? <laughs> I haven't. I've only seen the trailer, so I'm not sure. I can't promise anything. Gotcha. This trailer I haven't seen, but that looks. Interesting. I, that I interesting. do. I do recommend. Once we're done recording, I'll probably make you watch it and tell me what you think. Cool. Um, you know, comedic actors. I mean, Jim Gaffigan. He's mostly a comedian more than he is an actor. Yeah. Um, but comedic actors delving into drama, I mean, sometimes you get something great, like Will Ferrell is a person I point to, who Stranger Than Fiction I love like, I love that film, but it has an edge of comedy to it mm -hmm. and I feel like a movie like Everything Must Go that's what I was thinking, had less the, comedy and nobody went to see that. Well, that was the thing Everything Must Go, it was sort of an indie film that literally the plot of the movie seemed to be Watch Will Ferrell run a yard sale. Mm -hmm. Basically, yeah, that was the come trailer. see a that movie about yeah. doing something that you hate doing yourself. <laughs> that you hate doing without to any sort of yeah. like, com like if you pitch that movie as a full on comedy mm -hmm. with Will Ferrell and a handful of other popular comedic actors at the time, the movie would have made bank. Yeah, but because it was a drama and whatnot. But yeah, the movie itself is. Eh, like it's not a it's not a great movie. Yeah. But his performance is. Gotcha. His performance in that film is fantastic. Cool. Um well, yeah, definitely I'll uh 
take a look at that trailer for American Dreamer. Um, but to talk about the movie that um, we watched, you know, you today and me a couple days ago, yeah, Logan Lucky, I really enjoyed this movie. I legit can't figure out how I feel about this movie. <laughs> I legitimately I, can't. I, I just... Because, and the thing is, I, like, I'm a fan of Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. His Che Part 1 and Part 2 with They Made with Benicio Del Toro, mm-hmm. underappreciated masterpieces of cinema. Gotcha. I will even defend Ocean's 13. <laughs> you see, I, that's, that's his wheelhouse, is heist movies. And this is a yeah. heist movie. This is a yeah. really, really well done heist but movie. But the problem is, is that it's, the, the issue I have with this movie is, it is... The guy who made the Oceans films, making an Oceans film without all of the charm of an Oceans film, and at the same time at one point, making a self-referential crack at the fact that he's just making an Oceans film, (laughs) and that was it, because like, he might be the nicest guy in the world, Channing Tatum can't fucking act. You see, this is almost explicitly why I picked this movie. <laughs> because, so... So you could stand by your man? Well, <laughs> I I think Channing Tatum, I don't think he's a terrific actor. He is very one note. He's very, let me be the, the pretty boy and, you know, the comedic guy. But, like, to my knowledge, this is one of his only performances that I know of where he plays a dad. And he plays this guy who is trying to do right by his kid. And it's not played up tremendously in the film, but, like, there are moments of him, oh, you know, like, when his when his wife says, or, or his kid says that, you know, I can't have ice cream anymore. Mommy says, uh, nobody likes a fat girl. And then he has the moment with his daughter where he's like, you know, we're, we'll go out for ice cream, baby. And, like, his his daughter comes in second place in, in whatever... Um, like competition that Bitch, was. She won. And no, 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 not the pageant. She was going up against some kid, and she got second place. And she was like, it was when they were at the fair. E- either way, he he is great as the dad, the the single dad who has to like be the supportive one, be the one who just wants his daughter to do his do her best and have fun and enjoy what she's doing. Um, I really like his performance here. So, Tom has tasked us both with picking three movies so that we have our next couple weeks planned out. And my next pick is going to be Jupiter Ascending. So we get to see a truly awful Channing Tatum performance. I I forgot you were putting that on me. I can't be that I, bad. That was on my that was on that was on my my short list. It wasn't on my final list, but it was on my short list. So so I sort of had a theme. Well, I, I watched your theme the, is Channing Tatum movies. I well, no no no. Um, I watched the boys as you watched the boys, and we'll yeah. we'll discuss that at the end of the show. I saw Jack Jack Quaid was in this movie, and that was like that's what sold me that on this being wanted, my first though. pick. Um, Jack Quaid is kind of underutilized, but I don't think anybody really knew. D- aside from the fact that his mother is Meg Ryan and his dad is, is I, Dennis Quaid, who are both gorgeous and talented actors. I think unless you're one of the three actors that was on the name was big on the poster, you yeah. were underutilized in this yeah, movie. Yeah, pretty much. Or not necessary to the movie <laughs> in any capacity. Yeah. Like, 
Like the guy from The Office with the two kids who are basically the kids from Talladega Nights. Oh my god, it was literally just Talladega Nights <laughs> with those kids. That's exactly what yeah. I that We literally just had them so we could be like, <laughs> a little boy said vagina. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole point. Yeah. Um, it was a less funny, uh, like, and if you're I'm gonna, all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, like, okay, so if you take this movie... And compare it to Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. If you take out all the, I guess, what we'll call motivation pusher scenes. Mm -hmm. So basically, in Ocean's Eleven, take out every scene of George Clooney, um, charming Julia Roberts. Yeah. In this movie, take out every scene of Channing Tatum being with his daughter yeah um big eyes yeah <laughs> I, I literally jumped when we got that close up of her at the pageant and like 50% of the screen was her eyeballs yeah um that scared the shit out of me she kind of looked like a pug uh, <laughs> but like <laughs> fuck she did um but anyway so you take those scenes out yeah you still have the strength of the relationships and the interactions with the other characters yeah. in Ocean's Eleven, you still feel an underlining drive to George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven. In this movie, if you took out all the scenes with his daughter and you and you were like, "What's his motivation to to do all this?" I would literally go, "They got bored." Like, yeah. They, they're looking for a hobby. Like, well, they, one of them has a crush on Daniel Craig. I don't know. <laughs> like, Joe they, Bang is a great character. No, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. The, Joe Bang should literally just like the I the entire concept of that character should literally just be Joe Bang is Daniel Craig gets to not be James Bond. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the entire that push was, of that That character. was Daniel Craig cutting loose. Man. Oh, that was him. That was him getting so much yeah. energy out of his system <laughs> that he never gets to... Like, just, you could tell that at the end of this, like, at the end of filming this movie, he cried a little, being like, I gotta go back to being stoic and sexy, <laughs> goddammit. No time to die, man. No time to die. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put that on the thing so we're gonna talk about later. Um, but, uh... No, I, I, this is, you know, the problem with films that are, in my opinion, very good, but are not great, or in our case, are not horrible. We don't have a whole lot to say about them, but, like, I thought moments of this film were, like, genuinely great. Like, I loved, and, like, you could kind of, I, I would not begrudge or argue with anyone who hated some of the characters in this film, but... As someone who loves Seth MacFarlane and loves a stupid, over-the-top Seth MacFarlane, like, I really loved his eccentric character when he barges into the bar and then, you know, gets into a fight with Channing Tatum. But he's not even eccentric. <laughs> he's literally that douchebag that everybody knows. Yeah. That will, like, go to work one day and be like, I'm gonna pretend to be British today. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. To, I'm just gonna talk in a British accent. Old, he was that guy. 
Yeah. That was all he was. He wasn't eccentric. He was literally just the guy who decide, who like goes into work and decides, I'm going to use an accent and see how many people notice. Yeah. And the problem is, everybody notices, they just don't want to talk to him. <laughs> like I said, he I was don't, that guy. Like I said, I don't begrudge you for <laughs> disliking his character. I also think that we haven't canceled Family Guy enough times. Yeah, no. But that's, that's a whole other set of you, issues. You can love Seth MacFarlane as much or more than I do. You, Family Guy should have been canceled at least five years ago. Um, <laughs> but, like... Weird Al had the right idea not hiring him for the Weird Al, Weird Al show. <laughs> Fun fact of trivia there for you right there. Anyway, I... Every time we get introduced to a new character in this movie, like... I, I just I just enjoyed everyone in this movie. I, I liked the traveling nurse. I liked that she gets rewarded with a couple thousand dollars at the end. Like, Which is I, funny, because for me... I a, a part of me laughed because I was like, "Wow, if this is not a, just a parallel to her being in this movie, like you did barely nothing and you got rewarded with lots of money for it. <laughs> if that ain't what the definition of you being in this movie is, I don't think." Congratulations! You had three scenes, and in one of them, all you had to do was walk over to Channing Tatum and give him give him a kiss. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but hey. At least it's not like Alien Covenant and some of the other movies you've made yeah. where you just walk around crying the whole time. At yeah. least you actually weren't crying, so I appreciate <laughs> For that alone, it's her best performance <laughs> I've ever seen her in. I, Adam Driver's possibly the best part of this movie, other than, other than Joe Bang. If he... I... Oh, no... What's happening? I... It took me one scene to want to go through the screen and go, Adam, if you do not use some amount of fucking inflection to give your character any sort of range, I will fucking slit your throat. Jesus. I am so, like, I I am so fucking sick. Mm. Adam Driver, like, an Adam Driver right now is just the most popular example of this. And he's not like this in every movie. Yeah. But he's one of the most popular... I'm so sick of this, I'm not going to use any fucking inflection, and that's going to be funny, or, sh- you know, like, shticky or whatever. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to have any inflection in your character, don't make me watch your fucking movie. Because it drives me up the fucking wall. I do not... Like, literally, this is, this is not exaggeration. This is fact. Multiple times during this movie, because of him talking to Monotone, I fell asleep. Literally fell asleep <laughs> and had to wake up and rewind the fucking movie. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> like, you are. N- I do not care that you are in the shitting the Star Wars movies. Yeah. I do not care that every fucking popular director right now wants a piece of your ass for whatever reason. Mm. Use some fucking inflection. <laughs> it's not a character choice to be like. <laughs> that was his tone the entire fucking movie if you've never seen it. Man, there was this? no up or down on that whatsoever. <laughs> yes, we had we came a out fundamental very, difference we, of opinions on we this movie. We came out very different on this movie. Oh man. This also not as this this gets uh, second place to uh, Django Unchained for movies that end and then won't fucking stop. Yeah. 
Um, that that I will not that I will not disagree with. You L- literally an hour and a half into the movie, the heist is over. Everything's done. We know everything's yeah. worked out. And then, oh hey guys, um, Hillary Swank showed up. Wants to be in the movie. Yeah. Can we just add like another half hour to this movie just for her? Honestly, though, that's that's one of the things that redeemed this movie for me because although I do I do agree with you that the third act like loses all momentum. Like, I feel like it wraps it up. Like, because when it... When it, when you think that Channing Tatum has seen the error of his ways and he wants to do right by his daughter and he understands that stealing the money isn't, like... wasn't what he should have done. And then he gives it all... Seemingly gives it all back. Like... That, we all thought... I thought, was the end of the movie. And I'm I'm writing in my notes at that point. I'm like, I understand that they're the crooks, and like they they either need to learn a lesson or not to get the money. Like nobody comes out scot free of a heist movie, other than like maybe Shawshank. But you have to get sodomized for the oceans, like <laughs> the oceans <laughs> but like, movies. But, but like I didn't understand where we were going, and then I did like the wrap up of like, well he understood that the wherever they stole the money I, from like th- they're not going to account for every dollar because they're insured for this money and then like it all made sense to me well like, I like and they, they never explicitly said this but I took it as he only took what they estimated would be the taking from the original planned heist okay from like the following yeah, yeah, yeah. all the extra that they managed to take because of it, yeah, he basically just added to the plan as like a decoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he he realized that the heat would have been off of them after they recoup, mm-hmm. you know, some if not all of the money. Well, obviously some, not all the money. Yeah, but I because at that point I was lost on the film. I was like, okay, you have fucked over all of these people who you have been like entrusted with your plan, mm-hmm. who can now. F- quite easily fuck you over and send you to yeah. jail. Like, you, you're you're screwing over all these people whose lives would legitimately be made better by this money. Mm-hmm. So, the ending of, I just had to wait till the heat was, was off and my phone had stopped being tracked and, like, I knew how to how to get put the tags on the bags that were going to the trash to the landfill and mm-hmm. I knew who to tell, you know, talk to to get the trash bags out. Like, that all was a great wrap-up to me because... Mm-hmm. There's nothing more that I love in a heist movie than the last ten minutes where they describe to you how everything went perfectly according to plan, although it all went to shit. Like, Yeah, it all went to shit, but it didn't actually go to shit because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that whole bullshit. Like, yeah. That's kind of what I like about the Oceans movies is that it's not that anything goes to shit. It's that they know the people they're fucking with so well that mm-hmm. they anticipate how they're going to react. Yeah. So it's not even... like. He basically, uh, he you know, in the first oceans, he lets himself get caught by Andy Garcia. Not that's not somewhere where something went to shit. That was him doing part of their plan yeah. because they knew how he would behave. Yeah. Um, no, and with like the only issue I had was that we had to spend like five minutes, give or take, with the sister yeah. being very visibly pissed off at Channing Tatum, <laughs> and then go. Wait, she actually wasn't. It was a ruse. For who? The the stupid bitches that she was doing the hair for weren't part of the heist. They didn't need to know. Like, well, No, that, that came across... The, uh, 
to me that was he she wasn't in on the plan either because she didn't know the 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 the, the no, I thought the only, no, I think the only person who knew about the trash bags in the landfill was her brother, which why her brother why his brother would not also tell her their sister. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, no, that's he did know. That's she did know. That's why he sends the oh, That's why he shows yeah, yeah, yeah. sends James okay. Bond off. Sorry, sorry. I'm, and, I'm figuring this and out then at the end of our And she comes episode. in and it's just the three siblings, yeah. the three Logans, that are doing the actual money that's going to be kept. Yeah. They've sent the decoy money yeah. off. Now they're collecting the actual money that they're going to keep. Gotcha. Huh. That's why there's the whole bit that we show, you know, we show and then we flash back to of we're only going to yeah. let them know what they need to know sort yeah. of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. You see, for a person like me who didn't hate this movie, I might, I might sit down and watch it again and... And you know, <laughs> but I understand your your point with the, with the ending there. But for me, like, if you you could do that, like, you can do that whole spiel of like, he gave all the money back. No, he just gave part of the money back. Like, you could do that whole bit like real quick, real fast. Yeah. Without the intercutting FBI thing, so it's like, you know, like you said, like a five ten minute wrap up. Yeah. It 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 was longer than necessary. And then. Obviously, you wouldn't get Hillary Swank because that's a lot of money for nothing. Yeah. But you do that last scene. You do that last bar scene. They're you know they're all celebrating that they've they're victorious, and then Adam Driver starts talking to somebody at the bar who starts talking about staying there indefinitely. You don't even have to show that pers- the front of that person's face. Slowly back them up and show they have, like, an FBI badge on their back pocket or something. Yeah. You do that, it's the same... You're still doing the whole thing of, like, you know, the curse is real. You know, yeah. it really is. Once things get really good, something goes bad. You know, things go bad for them, curse sort of thing. Yeah. The... I... I enjoyed this movie. Um... And, it's, and I thought I would... And there were moments that I laughed. Like, I... Again, Joe... Joe Bang? Just make a movie about Joe Bang. Joe Bang... The moment <laughs> jo, where Joe Bang's just like... Oh, I figured... I twisted it too many times. Like, where he's just oh like... Oh, God, I just twisted yeah. it too... That, I fucking love that moment. Yeah. That moment, I... Like, I laughed hard at that moment. Yeah. Because I just liked how casual he oh, got... it was great. ...in that moment. It was great. Because it was... It was legitimately like high tension when that tube comes back and it slams Adam Driver in the chest, and I'm like, "Well, he does like the weird catch with his fake hand." Yeah, fake hand is what it looked like. Yeah, and I'm like, "They're not gonna, really going to blow Adam Driver like blow a hole in Adam Driver's chest," but like this is legitimate tension right now, and then it's just broken by, "Oh, I just bit twisted the bag too many times," and he untwists it and put it puts it back in, and then it just works perfectly. Yeah. Like that's all great, and his whole bit with the. Even I got I got high cholesterol. <laughs> oh no! I just that they got, whole they make fake salt. That that whole where it's just like, is it twenty or is it thirty? <laughs> we are dealing with science here, yeah. and he's explaining, and all of a sudden it cuts to him like <laughs> drawing on the wall yeah. to explain it. And I did appreciate, I did, I did really, really appreciate. The, in showing Channing Tatum having his shit together, we show him erasing yeah. the whole like science lesson <laughs> done in shock. I did actually really appreciate that, because in my head I was thinking, 
well, that's just, that's going to be an unfortunate piece of evidence. <laughs> like, I was laughing and loving it, but at the same time, I was like, that's evidence right there, guys. Yeah. You're not thinking that one through, I'm not sure. Um, final thoughts on, uh, on Logan Lucky? Final thoughts, I mean, it's, it's a movie that I can see being fun for a group of friends to watch. Um... You know, there are people in this movie, you know, Sebastian Stan's in this movie. Mm. We haven't talked about him at all. But the movie doesn't really talk. Yeah, no. Like, we've given him about as much time and attention as the movie bothered to give him. Yeah. So, that's enough said on that. Literally, I'm moving (laughs) on from that. We're not talking about it anymore to drive the point Okay. Um, You know, if you've got some friends, you guys have enjoyed watching movies like the Oceans Trilogy... Yeah, absolutely. Sit down, watch it, form your own opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see the non-comedic version of this film, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, which is, I mean, it's horse race, not car race, yeah. but it's, you know, a group of guys pull off a, a heist at a racetrack. Um, Stanley Kubrick hated the, the studio tampering with the film, but I, I legitimately think it's one of his best films. Yeah. So if you enjoy this and you enjoy the the heist part as much, if not more, than the comedy part, give that movie a watch too. Gotcha. Um, yeah. No, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, like I said, it's one of the those movies where I knew we'd talk maybe less about the movie and more about trailers and what else we've watched and what else has been going on. Um, so I think this was a good movie to start on our anticlimactic return. Yes. Um, (laughs) but like, I legitimately, I I like Channing Tatum. I think he gets a lot of flack for being kind of one note. And I totally understand that. I think he is sort of one note. I don't like, I don't think that makes him a bad person to watch. I think you just need to pick the movies. Like, I think he needs to do a better job picking his films. Because there was a point where, a stretch of a couple years, where he tried to do everything under the sun. Like, you got Jupiter Ascending and 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street and The Book of Life and, like, animated features and Magic Mike. Like, all of these films that are, like, drastically different genres and, like, performances. Well, he was the hot ticket, so every, he was, he was sellable. Yeah. And, like, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, great films. Like, I know people who really enjoy Magic Mike. I haven't watched it, but, like... I don't think it's for me. Most, yeah, most of those people are women, but like, still. I don't think a, it's it's a hard life to be attractive movie. It's for me, <laughs> and I, I think I'm I'm really honestly excited to watch uh, Jupiter Ascending <laughs> for a totally different I'm, reason than we watched. This I am film. <laughs> so excited to watch that movie and mentally take Eddie Redmayne's Oscar away from him. <laughs> That's what I love, though, is that the the year, like, there was that, that year, he won for Theory of Everything, which he deserved, it was great. Uh-huh. Julianne Moore won for Still Alice. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if she deserved it or not, but she is a phenomenal actress. But also that year, along with their Oscar-winning films, he was the villain in Jupiter Ascending, and she was the villain in The Seventh Son, the oh, Jeff Bridges, Ben Barnes oh, movie. Oh, God. Yeah, so they both had shitty fantasy <laughs> movies that they were the villains in, yeah. along with their Oscar-winning movies that year. Like, that year showed the spectrum of quality of <laughs> film and work for them. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on Logan Lucky. Yep. I, I liked all the actors. I liked all the characters. Um, definitely makes me want to go back and watch the the Oceans trilogy and watch some other stuff by yeah. Steven Soderbergh. First and third one. Yeah. First and third of the Oceans. Oh, okay. Second one. Hmm. I like um, Vincent Cassell. I mean, okay. he in general, if he's in a movie, I'll watch him in it. Yeah. Because he's phenomenal. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the movie just doesn't... It doesn't have the click that the rest of the, that the first and third one have. Gotcha. Um, third one also just has one of the most muted performances by Al Pacino that we've gotten since <laughs> um, he started acting. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. But speaking of, uh, speaking of Daniel Craig, James Bond... We got our new um, Bond trailer or Bond title, yeah. No Time to Die. No Time to Die. Um, we're not even trying anymore. <laughs> it, literally, my big, my big question, I think I posted this online, um, my big question is, how are we going to get some sappy love ballad by a current UK pop singer to try to win an, to be an Oscar bait song yeah. out of that title. Yeah. They'll find a way. Oh, they definitely It'll find still a way. be a song about being brokenhearted about your love leaving you or something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't think Adele's allowed to do it anymore. Seriously. You're all fucking idiots for thinking that Adele song was good. <laughs> Even if it was technically good, which it wasn't, it was not a good fucking Bond song. Yeah. It's so literally, like, every single one of her songs, like, I don't need you, I'm stronger without you, wait, where are you going? <laughs> literally, first verse, all about how strong she is alone. Second verse starts, I forget the phrasing, but the it's something along the lines of, oh, wait, you're leaving? Yeah. No, 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 don't go. Don't go. No. Oh, God, he left. <laughs> all the while, like, aren't you with somebody, yet you're singing all these songs about being lonely? Yeah, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Well, the the thing I'm most excited for about uh, this Bond film is this seems to be the first one to acknowledge a passing of the torch. Like, because we do know Lashana Lynch is going to be the next Bond. Correct? Sure. You haven't heard about this? I think I did. I... I used to love the Bond films. Yeah. I've seen all of them. Yeah. I used to be big... I'll st- like, I still go to the mats of saying that, you know... Um, Goldfinger is incredibly overrated, mm. and From Russia with Love is easily in the top three best Bond films of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I'll go to the mats for Tomorrow Never Dies as being one of the most underappreciated of the Bond films, and I'll go to the mat for Timothy Dalton as Bond. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. Um, but I just don't... It's it's one of those franchises that now, like, I'll try to rewatch some of the movies, and I'll just go, Wow. These movies are not made made by men who risk. This is a lot of men that are part of the UK Independent Party. Like these are like UKIP propaganda films. <laughs> there's like, there's kind of a certain lens through which to watch a James Bond film, especially today. And I I feel like it was it was very easy, even when. There was kind of the misstep of uh, Quantum Quantum of Solace. Like when James, when when Daniel Craig only had three Bond films under his belt, and they were Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and uh, Skyfall. Uh, Skyfall. Like it was kind of an easy argument to like. No one would 
fault you for saying that Daniel Craig was your favorite Bond. And now he's no, people like, would. Bah, I, Daniel Craig was one of my, is one of my. No, I'm not saying I disagree. He's a he's fantastic. Yeah, but there are people that I know. The second that he was announced, they were against it, and they yeah. never budged on it since. Well, I, I almost am more accepting of those people now. Like, uh, Jesus, Spectre. Like, Spectre is a very disappointing film. Spectre is a very American. Bond film, yeah, because it's all about like that prequely tie-in, mm-hmm. like reveal, like I mean, it was literally it was Star Trek into Darkness, yeah. but a, as a James Bond. No, film. It, yeah, it feels like a um, fucking Disney Star Wars film. Like it, it just it, there's something about it that feels so just off. It just feels off. Like and everyone saw the twist coming from a mile away like you said it's it's Star, it's Star Trek Into Darkness we all yeah. knew uh, that it was Bloomfeld that he was Blofeld Blofeld yeah. thank we you we all knew he was Blofeld like, um, but it was also just like I mean I remember the minute they went the villain for the next James Bond film is gonna be Christoph Waltz I was like wow you guys really didn't try mm-hmm. like literally if you guys hadn't already casted Ray Fiennes as a good guy yeah you would have just hired him as a bad guy. <laughs> like, if you guys hadn't already used Christopher Walken as a Bond villain, yeah. you would have just called him. Yeah. Like, not like that was the moment I knew. Like, oh, they're not even trying with this one. Yeah, and well, now he's two for four because you can say that two of these films have been major missteps or di- disappointments based on the prior film being very, very good. Like. Now we're seeing Lashana Lynch is apparently supposed to be the next Bond, and that's I'm totally fine with her being a female. I'm totally fine with her being black. I think both of those things are cool. I think if we see this become a Doctor Who like not regeneration, but Doctor Who like there is we well, don't there's not a falling out with the previous actor before we have to cast a new one. Like there is a passing of the torch. I think that could be really, a really cool idea that like continues into the next era of well, Bond. See, I was always, I mean, I've always been of the mindset that not just the 007, but the James Bond also was a title that yeah. was passed. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you know, the the explanation of why you go from Latsenby and Under Majesty's Secret Service back to Connery and Diamonds Are Forever is, yeah. you know, distraught over the death of his, his wife, Latsenby's 007 quits and needing someone immediately they pull Connor's 007 out of retirement and give yeah. him you know give him his old title back yeah you know I I've always been kind of of that mindset because it's one of the only ones that really makes logical sense yeah but which I'm, which was weird the prequelization of Spectre like yeah that we had well, to make it, it there's an, such an a lack of loop. consistency yeah yeah, yeah. um and that's part of why people hated it so much is that it was a hard reboot out of nowhere mm-hmm. to the franchise. Yeah, um, I'm still I I am absolutely one of those people that believes that James Bond sh- 007 should always be a straight white male. Mm-hmm. The reason I think that is I don't think any other race, gender, sexual orientation, whatever, I don't think anyone else should have to be dumped, have such a terrible, terrible human being of a character dumped on them to have to portray. 
it's literally that. Wrong. Like, <laughs> it's literally like, it's like if for some reason Hitler was a fictional character and not a real person. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we're thinking of, uh, you know, we're thinking of in the future with with movies with Hitler making Hitler black or making Hitler a woman. My response, my response would be, don't do that, don't do that. Yeah. He's 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 our guy because he because he's a douchebag in a way that only we are douchebags. Yeah, yeah. Like I am by no means the the sexist that James Bond is, but I will not deny that his brand of sexism. Is a very straight white guy form of sexism. Yeah. Um, so for that, I'm yeah, I'm 100 percent the mentality of like, let you know when they were like, oh, we want Idris Elba for Bond. My my thought was always, why not give him a likable character? Yeah. Why not create a brand new character that's likable? Give him that character. <laughs> we'll keep. We'll keep needing to find the most charming British guy we can in the UK to try to make people still like this guy as they notice more and more that he is a sleazy alcoholic douchebag. <laughs> this is this is hilarious, like bearing in mind that, you know, a couple months ago I came to you with the supposed casting news that Killian Murphy was in talks to replace Daniel Craig as the next Bond. I don't even remember what my response was. I mean... He sure as hell isn't charming enough to be Bond. <laughs> oh, you're, you're talking to the wrong person there. I love Killian Murphy. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but he's not... Oh, he's he could turn the, the pants s- off me. Well, figuratively and literally. We're, like, we're literally finding out what your, what your, like, bucket list for, for if your door ever suddenly just... Uh-huh. Start swinging the other direction. <laughs> we we basically know every male celebrity that if they lean in for a kiss, you're not leaning back. Oh right. yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to make those a secret. God forbid, D- Dominic Cooper, if you're listening, <laughs> what's up, <laughs> Dom? So, <laughs> don't address him as Dom. You don't know him that well. My my beard's a little a uh, little more kept, <laughs> a little less tickly under the nose, my friend. <laughs> So, what other... Jesus Christ. Can, we are can off the rails. Can that be the rest of our episode? Can the rest of this episode be each of us trying to fight for the affection trying of Dominic Cooper? Trying to woo Dominic Cooper? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you really wanted to talk uh, Kevin Smith with, with He-Man. Yeah. Um, um, if you've been listening to Fat Man Beyond, formerly Fat Man on Batman, with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, Mark Bernardin is an incredibly talented uh, writer, typically TV writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a little bit for Castle Rock, and he wrote for Shredstone, which is supposed to be the um, Jason Bourne series that's going to be on like USA or something, which I probably will never watch because I don't have cable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Kevin Smith is going to be the showrunner for uh, the Netflix uh, Master of the Universe Revelations anime, which, like, is supposed to be by the uh, animators who did the Castlevania anime, which is supposed was, to be a continuation immediately yes. following where the previous series ended. Yes. Um, me being a 90s kid, I'm like, 
I'm not the most well-versed on early He-Man, because that was a little bit before my time, but I'm incredibly excited for this series. Uh, the Castle the it's It seems like this is going to be more aimed towards kids than the Castlevania anime was, because that anime is, like, particularly graphic. Well, yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, it's got an awesome uh, cast of writers that they've, like... They've announced and talked to on the podcast on the last couple episodes. Uh, if you're interested in He-Man, you like Kevin Smith, you like Mark Bernardin, or any of these properties, um, go and listen to Fat Man Beyond. They certainly don't need our plug, but uh, it's a great podcast. I'm excited for the work they're going to do on the series. Then um, yeah, it just looks... See, I can't get excited because it's on Netflix, so I assume it's going to get canceled after a season. I probably will. Unless it gets a- awards, so... Yeah. Like... I know a lot of people out there, they're worried, they're nervous, and yes, you should be. Mindhunter will be getting canceled after the second season. <laughs> uh, not because of quality, but because it's Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so get ready to say goodbye to it. Yeah. Um, and then, we wanted to touch real quick on this whole thing about the, the movie The Hunt getting pulled yeah. uh, from release. I don't know if that's temporary or permanent. I'm. It seems like it's until further notice on permanent hiatus. The movie didn't necessarily look good, but it didn't look bad. Yeah. Um, so no, I, don't, I don't know if it was a trailer that we discussed, but we were certainly interested. In yeah, about the I was trailer. curious. I mean, it had Emma Roberts, so I wasn't that excited for it. But um, I mean, funnily enough, the wrong Ryan Murphy, but still Emma Roberts. So, it, but the the whole pulling it. I I get delaying a release due to current events. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, But the reaction that some people have had, the overblown reaction that some people have had of, like, we we have, you know, we've we've got to curb this type of, you know... it's, It's been hysterical to me to hear people bitch about violence of humans towards other humans in movies while at the same time, one, endlessly sucking Tarantino's dick over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. which is part of his his new thing, which is Tarantino tells you how he would have solved all the saddest parts of history. Yeah. It's literally what it's been since Inglorious Bastards. Each movie is, here's how I would have solved it. Yeah. Um, but also completely ignoring the movie that came out this week, Ready or Not. Yeah. You have a movie, literally the whole plot of this movie is a family hunting a single solitary human. Yeah. And none of these people that were calling for, like, you know, we need, we should look at canceling the Purge TV series. We should, you know, the hunt should never be made. We need to be really rethinking, you know, this and this and this. And then they never said word one about Ready or Not. Yeah. Because, and quite frankly... Point blank, I'm not really going to budge on my opinion about this. If you didn't mention Ready or Not at all when you were voicing your opinion about needing shit to be pulled like The Hunt was, you were being an opportunistic bastard. Mm-hmm. You were trying to gain attention, pretending to believe in a cause that you clearly don't give two shits about. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't really want to go too much farther into it than that, but you know, there's a very famous yet not liked person that that I that I did call out on our Twitter feed. Um, 
so I don't know why I'm not saying her name, Grace Randolph. Um, you know, she did this whole, like, multi-tweet opinion about it, and then recently did her review for Ready or Not. Yeah. And so, like, the clear, like, being opportunistic about causes you don't believe in always rubs me the wrong way. Can't tolerate that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, it's... Sorry, I was I was looking for a specific quote while I was, while you were talking. I was listening, but yeah. I you you are one hundred percent entitled to your opinion on gun laws and regulation and restrictions, mm-hmm. and you can think that the atrocities like in El Paso, like they are atrocities. There was there was catastrophic loss of human life. Like it's horrible, it's heartbreaking, it's domestic terrorism, it does not mean that you can't, and I wasn't going to rush out to see The Hunt, I'm not going to rush out to see Ready or Not. I coming out soon. But, video games do not, like, video games don't lead to gun violence. No. Watching violent television doesn't lead to gun violence. No. Like, Guns lead to gun violence. Like, uh, we're we're not going to get political on this podcast, but that's that's how I feel. And it, it, not not to be a complete douche, and it really doesn't matter because the idiots couldn't. The idiots are 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 gone now. Mm-hmm. But the only people that I saw watching violent television or movies and immediate re- their immediate reaction was "Let's go try this." Was the the shitty show that they had on NRA TV of the guy who would pretend to be recreating violent scenes in movies oh, to tell you how realistic it was. Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar oh my, with this, it but was, it doesn't sound like something that's up my alley. Oh my day. goodness, watching him try to recreate the shootout from Heat mm-hmm. of having like him and his friend with like gigantic duffel bags on their back trying to fire real-life guns. Yeah. Oh my god, it's hysterical. Yeah. Like, you've never seen guys sadder about their tiny dicks <laughs> than you have in this moment. It's hysterical. I, I mean, there has been times that violence has put me off to a movie. Like, when I saw Kick-Ass 2, and you see the, the the motherfucker and his gang, like, out in the streets, like, shooting innocent bystanders and cops who are trying to protect the innocent civilians and mm-hmm. apprehend these supervillains, like, it really put me off to that film. And, yeah. like, Jim Carrey, for all of his bullshit like um like contradictions like the fact that he played his part in Kick-Ass 2 and then wanted to come out against the film for its gun violence like I get that it's hypocritical but I get that like Kick-Ass 2 was one of the first films that like I walked out of within the like last 15 minutes because I really did not like that film I I, I I didn't even bother going to see it I enjoyed the first one but I I did not see anything about the second one that made me feel a need to go see it. The the second one I went to explicitly because it would not stop playing advertisements in the beginning of my YouTube videos that I was watching. So I guess its marketing did its job because okay. I went and saw the fucking movie. See, for for me, it's that whole it's that Shia LaBeouf thing again. If you nag me, I'm going <laughs> to ignore you. If you nag me, my response is going to be, go fuck yourself, yeah. I'm leaving you, I'm ignoring you. But, like... But in the same breath, I don't think it would have been right to pull Kick-Ass 2 out of theaters because... Uh, you know, like when there was a shooting in the in the movie theater in Arizona when the the night of the premiere of Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. 
doesn't mean that The Dark Knight Rises should be pulled from theaters, even though there's gun violence well, in that. Like, the, the only thing that was done, and I totally got it, was because it wasn't pivotal to the plot of the movie, the movie Gangster Squad removed a scene where there was a shootout in a movie, yeah. th- in a in a yes, operating movie that. theater. Because you could see in the trailers the shot of a, guy, a group of guys lined up behind the screen firing their yeah. Tommy guns. Um, they removed that scene because it wasn't pivotal to the plot. Yeah. It was basically just part of like a montage showing the escalation of violence. Mm-hmm. But they removed it because the movie was going to be releasing less than a month after that incident, and yeah. it was going to be too soon. Yeah, you know, um, you know, um, they didn't not make the you know they didn't not release Spider Man after nine yeah. eleven. They just digitally removed the the Twin Towers. Yeah, and removed that. The teaser trailer was still one of the best teaser trailers for a movie ever. It's just bittersweet. Yeah. I, like I said, I wasn't in a hurry to go out and run and see The Hunt, but I just think this sets a weird precedence that a movie can be pulled entirely from theaters. Like, this is... This is horrible. It's, a, it's atrocious, but... <coughs> This is happening in America until something is done about it, and well, I don't. I don't see how pulling a film from a theater is going to help or hurt anyone. It's well, I you know exactly see how it's going to hurt. We're eventually going to have more and more people that, for reasons, are going to demand films to be pulled. And as people get their way, it's going to be f- it's protest censorship, mm-hmm. where you know it was the same reason why. Same reason why South Park, they always stood by not <coughs> censoring or pulling episodes. Yeah. Um, the only time that they made an exception was when there was supposed to be a rerun of the uh, the alcohol alcoholism episode with the bleeding Virgin Mary. Okay. Um, they it was supposed to air like. Christmas weekend or something like that. Yeah. And it was, you know, somebody at Comedy Central just came up to them and was like, look, literally just because it's Christmas, <laughs> having the Virgin Mary yeah. spouting blood out of her ass onto the Pope <laughs> might not be the best thing to have on our network on Christmas. Yeah. And they were like, absolutely. Yeah. This is, it, this is, this is a showing respect to, to a holiday. It's different than, yeah. you know, but that was the only time they, and because they did that one, that was when you started hearing about the, you know, the whole Scientology wanting trapped in the closet, pulled yeah. permanently, yeah. and apparently there were some other groups that were starting to send emails to Comedy Central, as that was picking up steam about like, oh, can this episode just never be shown again? And that, so it's that's how it starts. You yeah. get more and more people that demand that you know, no to this, no to that. Yeah, and. You can, I mean, there's there's times at which I th- can see a reason for doing so. Uh, Louis C.K.'s movie that he had made and was about to put into theaters, and then uh, all the stories about him came out, and then it's been chopped in the closet ever since. I totally understand that. And but, you can call me a hypocrite for, you know, saying that it's better left unseen at this point, just based on the person he is. And Well, and that was... That was as- that was just as much a business. You cannot say for a fact 
what the business for the hunt would have been like, unless it was literally the weekend after yeah. all, of, all of these tragedies happened. With Louis C.K., you were literally saying, hey, who wants to go see a limited release film yeah. from a guy who is a sexual predator yeah. where, he's making, sexual predator, where right. he's making a movie about a teenage... Uh, about a dad dealing with his teenage daughter fucking a middle-aged man. Yeah. Anyone want to go see this movie? <laughs> like, yeah. the movie was going to have no audience. Yeah. Nobody was going to be in attendance for this film. Mm. It really, like, the only reason that anyone was willing to give it a chance was because they thought Louis C.K.'s writing style might give it some fun and some edge, and then, without him, nothing more. But yeah, so that's, you know, it's just a, bun- a bunch of bullshit that hopefully is not going to escalate into other people trying to be opportunistic yep. in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but speaking of opportunistic assholes, <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. Fucking Spider-Man. Yeah. Um... I I have a lot of very intense thoughts about this, and not even about the situation, mm-hmm. about all the smug douchebag assholes on Twitter and other places online that, you know, you get the people that have been like, oh, this is, you know, fuck Disney, yep, no, oh, this is good, this is hurting Disney, this is hurting the MC, like, first of all, no, it's not gonna fucking hurt them. Yeah. You're literally talking about one less movie. Yeah. Because they only had one more movie in the fucking contract. Yeah. So, which, you're literally talking about one less movie. Which is equal parts disappointing and kind of comforting. Like, do we want to see... You can go back and listen to our episode on Far From Home. Mm-hmm. I think that most of our discussion about a potential sequel where we talked about Craven and we talked about all the interesting dynamics between Peter Parker and, the, and, and uh, Flash, and we talked about all the interesting developments with everyone knowing uh, Peter Parker's secret identity or Spider-Man's secret identity. Like, MCU, to this point, has been pivotal in this version of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Like, they are completely intertwined. Yeah. He, is, he is a young protege of Tony Stark. The fact that if it's, it's, part of me wants to believe and and does believe that like in a couple weeks if don't if if Sony and Disney return to the table and they come to a you know an agreement like we're going to look back on this and be like oh wasn't that funny that those couple weeks those couple months where we thought that Sony and Disney had fallen out and we're not going to get the last MCU Spider-Man film that we all wanted to see mm-hmm. like and i hope that's what happens but in all likelihood, we're going to see a third Spider-Man movie that is completely handicapped, has its tie, hands tied behind its back, based on the fact that they cannot reference an MCU that has made this Spider-Man, this Peter Parker, what he is now. Well, see, and here's here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen with that. Imagine you are the people that have made, you know, the people that have been making these films, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden. You now have lost everything except for your core cast of characters. Yeah. Now, you're saying here, because 
Vulture, he's gone. Can't bring him back. What was his core? His core thing had to do with MCU stuff. Yeah. None he of was, the villains. He was motivated by the events of, of Avengers. No, no villains that have existed at this point in the MCU's Spider-Man films can be brought back. Yeah. So even if they hadn't planned on him staying dead, Mysterio's dead now. Yeah. He he has to be dead as a doornail because he can't come back. Yeah. So Vulture was killed off screen. But he was killed in prison. Apparently. Yeah. Um. But what's inevitably going to happen is. John Waits and Tom Holland are going to back out of their contracts. Yeah. Whether it's they quit or they get fired, due to creative differences, they are leaving. Once they leave, Sony is going to reboot. Yeah. They are going to do a full reboot of Spider-Man. Yeah. And they are going to have to decide, you know, know, they're going to have to make a lot of decisions with that. But you're going to see all of these people that are just like, good for you, Sony, good for you, Sony. You know, as soon as that happens, you're going to see all of them going, Oh, God, you got Sony, you guys are always so stupid. You guys never know what you're doing. Yeah. But you guys wanted it to go back to them. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it's like, first of all, everyone's being like, Oh, Disney was so greedy with how much they were asking for. Have you never negotiated a contract? Yeah. Have you never done that? You know what you do? You aim high. Mm-hmm. If you want more, you aim high. If you... if. If you're trying to keep it low, you stay way low. You know, you keep high. Yeah. If Sony had just bartered with them, they would have found an agreement that worked for both of them. Yeah. Sony could have even, you know, like, and I don't, I need to read a little bit more into this, but like, I'm, but like, Sony could have even been like, okay, we'll give you, we'll make it a 30-70 split. Yeah. But we also want it to turn into a 30-70 split the opposite way for the merchandising. Yeah. They could have even done that. Yeah. Like, there, Sony had so many bargaining options, mm-hmm. not just throw a temper tantrum and quit. Yeah. Like, Sony was 100% in the wrong to, instead of bargaining... Yeah. And having it be a discussion, having it on the table, how they could have leaked that the discussion was happening yeah to try to have it knowing the way that people get pissed off at disney yeah to try to have an edge over disney to have some safety to it um i 100 percent would not be shocked if disney leaked if disney is the one who leaked that the say that the that it was all falling apart yeah because they knew that people were going to swing in on that point for yeah. them um did you see the uh, pitch meeting for, I did. For oh, I did. The MCU. Oh, I did. I mean, it's this is so. I we're, we're, it was. It seems. It it seems a little. <coughs> I don't know. Futile us talking about this right now. Yeah. Like I feel like there's still reports coming out. Like people are saying that it's it's so Disney didn't even ask for fifty percent. They asked for a much lower number. It doesn't. Th- those are there. That's just semantics. Mm. What. If the rights reverse back to Sony entirely and they reboot the series or whatever they do with it, I will. I can take a little bit of solace in the fact that five of my probably seven favorite MCU films had what I think is the best Peter Parker Spider-Man that we've ever yeah. seen it on screen. And that is... Like, it'll be great to go back and watch those films, but 
like, can you imagine we're going to have one of the shittiest cliffhangers that never gets resolved in Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just don't understand where Sony thinks it can go from here. Because I, it, they made a decent amount of money with Venom. Yeah. They think, and because people loved Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. they think they can do it alone. Yeah. And because they know they have literally nothing without Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. If they lose Spider-Man, Sony will go under as a studio because they can't get anything else to work. Every other franchise they have is a failure. Yeah. Which is another reason why it doesn't make sense to me why anyone wants them touching this anymore. Yeah. And that's one of the other things that I love online. Start pushing back on the people that are being smug online. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Because you get these people to online and they're just like, you know, they'll be like, you know, none of the MCU Spider-Man movies have even been good. Disney can't even make a good Spider-Man movie. And like, and then someone will go, well, they're doing all the work. They deserve to have more money for it. Sony's the one doing all the work. Okay, well then why are you saying that Disney made bad Spider-Man movies? Yeah. Like, every single person that's being <laughs> smug anti-Disney about this... Yeah. They are so full of contradictions and hypocritical bullshit. Yeah. And it's infuriating to put up with. Yeah. It's infuriating to have a Twitter feed full of people not thinking through the... Not thinking... You know, not knowing how negotiating a deal works. Yeah. You know, not realizing that when the one consistent part of the story is that somebody was given an offer and their response was, no, I quit, we're done, I'm leaving. Yeah. That was, like, no, that's childish, unprofessional bullshit. Yeah. And while it was petty, Disney had every right to go, okay, Kevin's too busy to help you guys, though. Just so you know. Whenever it is you guys start making your movie, (laughs) Kevin's too busy, he can't help you. They were absolutely, I would have done that. Yeah, that would have been my response. Would have been, hey, this guy who's the only person in fucking Hollywood who can get this to work consistently. Yeah, yeah. you can't use him anymore. So you got, and you know that's going to cause you to fail. Yeah, Sony's comments on on the matter where they're oh like, oh my god, it's adorable. we understand that it, they're trying to, they're trying to act like they're the victim. Yeah, they're like. We understand that Kevin's so busy with so many IPs, and he can't be bothered to 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 look after an IP that he doesn't own. Like it's it raises it's, so smug and so yeah. fucking oh yeah, like pity us. We're Sony, like passive aggressive, like like oh he just it's it literally is them going oh we totally get it. He doesn't want to play with something that he's not allowed to have anymore. <laughs> We don't, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin, are you a little upset because we're playing with your with the Spider-Man stuff? Would you like it? No, 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 no. Remember, it's ours. You have to give it back. But I'm so disappointed that we couldn't come to an agreement. I, I, I literally like if I could be in, like, I'm not gonna lie. I would love if they had done like a live press conference and I could have been a reporter and they're yeah. like, we're taking questions. Did you really think anyone wasn't going to realize Liam Neeson was the bad guy in Men in Black International? <laughs> like, that would have been my immediate reaction. <laughs> Basically, literally, just to point out to them, you can't make this franchise work. Yeah. Why are, like... Yeah. Like, the most compelling thing you guys have had recently is the North Korean hack. 
<laughs> That's your most recent compelling thing that you guys have been a party to. I, I don't want it to seem like we are, like, diehard Disney fanboys, because I'm about to bitch and moan for the next 15 <laughs> minutes about uh, Lion King. Like, there's plenty that you shouldn't like Disney for. There's plenty that you could be mad at Disney for. But the MCU is not one of them. And, like, all of this just seems asinine. I hope they all come, I hope they come back to the table and can work out an arrangement where we can see a third and, you know, possibly, it could be final. Like, if they end this Spider-Man franchise properly, I'm fine with it ending. I'm fine with it reverting mm-hmm. back to Sony. Do I necess- do I want that to happen? No. Like, I would love to see Sony or Spider-Man in the MCU for the next ten years. But, like, mm-hmm. if that doesn't happen, I'm okay with it. I'm not okay with the ending of Far From Home being the last time we see Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, that is what I'm not okay with. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts on that, because I feel like we can go on forever. I mean, if you have any sort of final thoughts on that. Um, yeah, if you're going to keep bashing on Disney, like, you know, like we put in the tweet, don't... You know, don't sit there rant about how much you hate Disney and then, you know, link people to your review of a Disney movie. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> like, uh, legitimately right now, anyone, I want people who are bashing, making this all about bashing on Disney, I want you to pin this to the top of your Twitter feed. <laughs> I want you to pin it to the top of your Twitter feed so that way... You have to read that right before people read about your, you know, your review of a Disney movie, or right before your comments about how much you're enjoying using Disney Plus, yeah, or how much, you know, how nostal, how much fun nostalgia you're having rewatching The Rescuers, which you haven't watched in years. <laughs> I literally, I want you to have to have everyone reread your your hatred and promise to uh, to stay away from Disney mm-hmm. right before seeing. That you literally don't actually give a shit. That's all I ask. When when you do take people to task about, you know, being smug and loving Sony and hating Disney, please be nice. Don't attack the person. Bring up a, vo- a valid argument and talk to them in a... As nice as, be, as, be as civil. possible. Be civil. Be civil. Be civil. But just know that as long as you prevent a, present a valid argument... You're gonna win the argument <laughs> really, really fast with ninety percent of the people out there talking about this whole thing. Once someone's response, shut up, idiot! Like you've won the argument. You're oh fine. yeah, you're fine. It's over. Or it calls you an MCU fanboy. Yeah, I love that. I love whenever you see that because my response, I always want to be like, okay, so what are you? Are you a guy sitting there alone with your copy of Venom, whispering <laughs> it's okay and petting it, <laughs> or are you a guy who's sitting there online? on, like, message boards discussing what you think the Snyder Cut's gonna look like when they finally <laughs> give it to you. Oh, boy. Anyone who wants the Snyder Cut, yeah, I, you don't have my respect. I'm sorry. You don't. You, so, if you actually think it exists. Other than the Snyder Cut, what have you been watching recently? Um, so, <laughs> watched... Uh, finally got to see Princess and the Frog with my kid. Yeah? Not a bad movie, uh, but it feels so rushed. Yeah, it feels so rushed. The songs don't feel like they're finished. The, you know, the plot. It, like, I don't know. It just it didn't fully work for me. 
But there's so much in there that I saw that I wanted more of, especially Keith David's villain. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to be in more than just scenes that are exposition for the finale. Yeah. Um, Because that's all he was there for, and it bummed me out. And I loved his song. Um, I did watch the the Amazing Jonathan documentary that we talked about the trailer of recently. Yeah. The movie is haunting. It is unnerving. It's a little uncomfortable because it is just raw in your face. Um, And there's a villain. There's a villain to the story. Okay. Um, And it's a surprise. And you you start to realize it and you think it's not and then you're like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. But then uh, it has kind of a nice resolution to it. Um, Kind of a, a funny... And it has a legitimately funny ending to it, which is enjoyable. Um, I watched Young Sherlock Holmes, which okay. was a bit of a letdown. Um, I mean, it's it's inevitable. It's one of those prequels where they're kind of establishing stuff that that really should you know Ori should exist. Yeah. Uh, but it has the first completely CGI character ever in a film, so that was. You know, it was cool to watch that. The Stained Glass? The Stained Glass Night, yes. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, part two of Nymphomaniac, the, the Lars von Trier films, which I love the first one, and the second one's good up until the ending, and then the ending kind of nullifies just to fill Lars von Trier's need for depressing endings. Gotcha. <laughs> so it just kind of veers at the very last second yeah. for no good reason. But uh, beyond that, all of it's good. Um Including a Mr. Shia LaBeouf. It's yeah. not anything noteworthy, but it's not a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination. But hey, Alex, what have you been watching? Well, I feel like I've watched a ton, a ton. Um, so when we were discussing what episode to do, I initially said, let's talk about Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. And I watched that, and it was a... It was completely meh. It was <laughs> it is overwhelmingly yeah. meh. It's all because of the leads. I one hundred percent believe it's like Dane is not charming, and what's her name is not an actress. Dane is not not charming, but he's a creep towards uh, Cara Delevingne. <laughs> he is well. That's the thing is he is a creep more than he is charming. Yeah, and his him trying to be charming just comes off as creepy. Yeah, he just consistently he just. He just wants to marry her. That yeah, that's I don't, his only goal. I don't. In the I don't know film. who you cast in that role. Yeah, from that age range, doing that kind of a role, but yeah, but not him. It's it was it was just a movie that I couldn't take a tremendous amount of notes on, and I feel like it wouldn't have led to a very good conversation. It would so, have just been us bitching about those two. Yeah. So that was my biggest hangup. That was one of our initial biggest hangups with not being able to record. Was just. I couldn't find a movie, and we couldn't find a movie to that we both wanted to watch or were able to watch, and had fu- had enough to talk about when we watched it. Um, the other movie that I watched uh, was The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then The Bigfoot, which is a fine movie. It's fine. It's overwhelmingly fine. It is a movie that is searching for a tone the entire film because it plays itself as a drama, but. I personally want it to be a comedy or a horror movie. 
or like mm-hmm. something much funnier, something much lighter, or something much much darker. Yeah, and it never goes either of those ways enough. Yeah. Like you see hints of it, but it it never commits. If it was tackled by someone like Taika Waititi or Edgar Wright, it sounds it sounds like an indie film made by somebody who normally makes like comedies. Yeah. It it just does. Who's who did um like Nacho Libre and and uh damn Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. I can't. It's Jared Hess, I think. Sure. Like I it, can't remember. Somebody like that, I think it would have been in in different hands, I think it would have been a more interesting film. Yeah. Um I rewatched Clerks 2, I rewatched Chasing Amy, which we talked about. I think at some point we have to do a top, like a ranking of our... We're probably going to end up ranking the viewers universe at some point, yes. And, because those are movies that I would love to talk about to death, but those are also movies that, like, viewed through a modern-day 2019 lens have a lot of problems. Certain aspects of, of certain films do, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of home And I know we... Stars. Well, and I know we also have a different ranking yeah. to the films, which will make it interesting. Yeah. Um... I watched uh, Rocco's Modern Life, Sad Kling, which was very, very good. Um, I recommend it highly. It's very short. It's like less than an hour. Um, they consulted with Glad on uh, a character who is transgender, and they handle it very, very well. Um, that was something that I had learned prior to going into it, and I'm sorry if I spoiled it for, for anyone. I don't think it spoils the, the show, but, like... The most important thing to me for Rocco's Modern Life is Ed Bighead. Yeah. That is the most important thing to me. Yeah. Because that is my... Fa- Even as a kid, he was my favorite character. Really? I don't understand why he was my favorite character, but I fucking loved him. Oh, I, I think Mrs. Big, Big Head, Bev, is better. Oh, I like Bev as oh, well, Ed. but... Oh, Ed. <laughs> um, oh, no. Rocco. <laughs> I loved her voice, but there's something about Ed that yeah. I loved. Yeah. Um, <coughs> they, they approach some very well-tread material with very 90s sensibilities. Like, it's... Like, they, they play they play up some kind of old jokes, some kind of played out jokes of, like, new phones that come, like... Oh, yeah, I saw in, like, the one commercial of, like... has the, has the, the O-Phone the, 8, and then, uh, the, the other friend has the O-Phone 9, and yeah, then, and then the somebody and then somebody comes out and is like, the O-Phone 10 is out! Yeah, yeah. And everyone like, runs it's in, yeah. very, very well-tread material. It's very 90s, <coughs> like late 90s, early 2000s sensibilities. Yeah. But it's played perfectly. If you like Rocco's Modern Life, it is a totally a love letter to old Rocco's fans. Yeah, I, st- I still need to... I, I need to sit down and watch that. I just keep debating whether or not I'm going to watch it with my daughter. Yeah. I think it's fine. I, not, I watch it with not, my kids. It's, not, it it's my not a sensibilities thing. It's, yeah. I don't know what it is, but for some reason I'm like, do I want her in on this. When I was texting you and I was like, man, this is pitch perfect. This is, like, this was also one of my candidates for a movie for us to discuss, but it's 45 minutes and it would be nothing but me gushing about it. Like, there's... It probably would have just been that plus us continuing to do our bad big head yeah. voices. <laughs> which ha- eventually would result in people going, 
I, I'm going to stop listening. I'm yeah. going to unfollow them on Twitter. I'm going to delete my Twitter account so yeah. that way they don't try to follow me again. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to get rid of my phone. I don't think that this is that it's a flawless you know movie by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But I can't see any flaws through my rose-colored glasses. They're very thick. Um, and damn, I wanted to talk about two others, but I can only remember one. So we're, I'm going to talk about The Lion King. Um, was it good? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. No. <laughs> I was about to say, that's so, not what you were telling me <laughs> when you were there. So, I, I have a question for you. Who do you think the most important character of The Lion King is? Zazu. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously? Um, obviously Simba. No, it's not. It's Mufasa. Here's... Here is what I'm going to say about The Lion King. This is how I have come to view The Lion King now, okay. as, as I am a, you know, an adult with a kid. Okay. The most important character in The Lion King is Mufasa, because our two characters who have the biggest conflict, being Simba and Scar, it is all about their relationship to Mufasa. It's about a son who realizes he's a prince, who abandons, you know, his his throne, who realizes he is the son, the son of Mufasa, he's the son of a king, he needs to go back and reclaim his his land. It is about Scar, who is second in line for the throne, and who is, you know, jealous of his brother, now jealous of his nephew. Like, but it is all about their relationships to Mufasa. This remake is completely heartless. It is... It is not devoid of like awe-inspiring moments so I went to see it in the drive in the drive-ins with my son and my girlfriend and when it starts it's legitimately quite breathtaking it's awesome like it, it is the reviews are right the spectacle is what you're there for but by the time the spectacle wears off in the first five minutes like basically after the title card goes Doom, the Lion King it's done. Like, you're, you're done being impressed by the visual spectacle. Yeah. The reason Lion King works so well, the, the animated feature, is because the characters are so expressive. And, like, that's not, that's not a hot take. People know that. Like, yeah. that's, that's why people are trepidatious of, of this new one. The... I think the original Lion King works so well... Because Mufasa, played by James Earl Jones, perfectly, like, he perfectly moves from the king to the father of his son. Like, he, the, the best example of this is when he, he, he finds Simba and Nala at the elephant graveyard, he fights off the hyenas, and he brings them home. And he goes, Zazu, take Nala home. And Simba knows he's in deep shit. And he approaches him, and he goes, you deliberately disobeyed me. And what's nurse you put Nala in danger? Like, you are my son, and I, like, want you to be protected. But, like, these are my people. This is my pride. What's worse is you are the son of a king who put Nala in danger. He's like... And then he talks to his son about being fearful, and I was afraid today. 
And Simba goes, but I think those hyenas were, were, were more afraid. And he goes, because nobody messes with your dad. And then they play together because they're yeah. father and son. Yeah. Like, all no. of that is beautiful. That is, like, one of the best scenes in animation. Bar none. And, like, that scene happens in this film. In the remake. And I can't even fucking picture it in my mind. Because it's de- it's devoid of that emotion. Like, it is a, it's a lion. It's a photorealistic lion. And lions look regal. Like, they are a very regal, bold, you know, animal. Mm-hmm. That's all they can express. So there's no fatherly, I love you, now we are playing, you are, it's father and son time. Like, yeah. that cannot be expressed in, the, in, in this new remake. Mm-hmm. There's also choices that just don't make sense. Like, it seems like a very well-rehearsed play. It seems like if me and a couple people in my same age range got together, like, we could remember every line of Lion King. Like, we could we could spot-check yeah. each other and go, no, he says this then. Okay. Like, and we could put on a performance that is exactly the same as this one that was on screen. And there's just choices that don't make sense. Uh, Such as? Rafiki is not a comedic character anymore. I've, that's what I've heard. He's, he's 100% a just I am the exposition guy. Yeah, I've heard they take out the whole it's in the past yeah. bit. Yeah, which is one of the, you know, it's a great bit from yeah. the original Lion King. The, they don't take out correction, I know your father, and then Donald Glover as Simba, Matthew McConaughey as Simba, or sorry, Matthew Broderick as Simba, <laughs> he goes, time is a flat circle. <laughs> no, Matthew Broderick as Simba. Hakuna Matata? Goes. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> don't you know, don't derail was, me. <laughs> I was living on Pride Rock before it was cool to live on Pride Rock. <laughs> Linus is keep getting older. Shit, I keep getting older. Linus is the same age. <laughs> Alright, Matthew Broderick as Simba goes, I'm sorry to tell you my father died a long time ago. This Donald Glover Simba goes, my father died a long time ago. Which is a really weird delivery to someone who you don't know, like, knows your father is dead. So this person goes, correction, I know your father, and you go, my father died a long time ago. Like, it, it just, it just seems lifeless. It seems emotionless, well, and... I, I saw the, the clip of the Timon and Pumbaa entrance, yeah. and for me, everything that defines what's wrong about how they decided to handle the film is to have a deadpan Timon with Billy Eichner's voice. Yeah. You can't have Billy Eichner yelling and screaming... And then have a completely lifeless face. Yeah. They, there were lines, and, you know, I was saying they're going, I know some of the stuff that they're saying is funny. And I chuckle a little bit at, we're gonna name him Frank. Yeah. Uh, but, for the most part, I'm listening to them going, man, I just want to watch them recording the line so I can see the facial expression. Because yeah. that's part of the humor. Yeah. It's... You know, what's what's really disappointing is I thought Seth uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Billy Eichner were going to be the highlight for me, and like they're not. They're excruciating. Like 
this is someone who come. This is coming from someone who really likes them as comedic actors, mm-hmm. and like I did not like them. I straight up, like, I understand Seth Rogen's voice for Pumbaa, his singing, no, like it's it's not good. It's cringy as fuck. Like, and it just it was it rubbed me the wrong way a lot of the time. Billy Eichner, his he was great singing, and like. I liked his delivery, but again, out of a photorealistic, lifeless, you know, animal, like, yeah. or, or emotionless animal, like, there just was nothing there. Yeah, well, another part of the problem is you had, um, with the original Lion King, Nathan Lane and, um, I can never remember the name yeah. of the guy who voiced Pumbaa, yeah. it started, like, his first name started, was like Eddie or Ernest or something, or Ernie or something like that, but... They had just gotten off of a stint of performing Guys and Dolls on Broadway together. Yeah. They already had this, like, camaraderie and brothership of working together and banter. And, like, they knew how to work off of each other on a performance level already because they had been doing it for so long. Yeah. So they went in, and it was natural to them. They they also originally auditioned for the Hyenas before getting to Mount I can believe that. Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, Ernie, Ernie Sabella. That's, um, but like, the hyenas, like, it was uh, just no one's no one's great in the film. I've I've listened to some of the music in the movie, and like, "Be Prepared" is the most weirdest, awkward. You can tell that they shoved it back in at the last minute thing. Yeah. Um, you see, I didn't hate be prepared but it's about when the film lost me it was like i was i was in i i liked the spectacle and then i was like i don't hate anyone yet and then be prepared happened and i'm like i don't even hate this performance because uh remind me on the actor's name uh chef Juan ecuador yeah <laughs> i have say that because i know you know the first name but i know that you've just like completely fumble at the end. I've given up. As, as my as my friend Aaron always goes, he'll text me and be like, I love how you've just given up on pronouncing people's names right. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't waste my fucking time. Uh, I don't waste my time at all with Andrew. I mean, I don't, I don't remember people's names, and you kind of remember people's names, so we're just a great duo. Um, like, it was clear to me his only direction was, do you remember Scar? Don't be flamboyant. Like, be intense. Because Scar is one of the most flamboyant Disney villains. And, like, he's... He's very eccentric. He's very he eccentric. Is, he is... He's very reticent of villains from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Uh, especially of, ch- like, children's stuff that were very just eccentric, like, over overtly Shakespearean... Yeah. When he goes... In their, an elephant graveyard is no place for a little cub. Oh, I've said too much. Like, it's just all oh, so yeah. theatrical, so oh, flamboyant, yeah. so eccentric. Like, Chef Juan, we're going to drop the last name. He, <laughs> like... Chevy. He, yeah. He goes straight for intensity, which is not the worst yeah. way to play it, but it's not why you liked but Scar when you are surprising that he would just do that. But, yeah, but it's not why you liked Scar when you were a kid. No. And, like, be prepared was a theatrical song. Like, oh, yeah. It's one of the best, like, Disney villain songs. Like, but, like, now they're going for straight intensity, almost like Hellfire and, and Hunchback. Like, it's just, it doesn't play the same. And it's, yeah. 
the the Beyonce just seems like she's being paid per note that she can sing. Like, yes, Beyonce, everyone knows that you can sing these incredible runs where like you your voice goes all over the place. Like, yeah, it's big not, secret. It's a, strong singers can hold a note. They don't have to. <laughs> well, they don't have to do that. It's it's technically impressive. Like, it's not. She is not a bad singer. Like, she is a good singer, but. It's just not impressive in the context. I don't need this in, this run during this song. I want to hear the song. It's also I'll, it just so asinine that the scene takes place during the day. That's because, what I was about to say. That's yeah. what I've heard. I've heard that Can You Feel the Love Tonight takes place oh, during the day. It's entirely on, uh, during that, the day. Like, that alone should tell people the amount of legitimate effort and care that they put into this movie. What What's so frustrating is that none of these actors are bad actors. Not one of them. Except maybe Beyonce. Well, she's not an actor. She's a... She's a performer. She's, she's a lifestyle a, brand. She, with her husband. <laughs> she and Jay-Z at this point are lifestyle brands. Uh, like, and we... Uh, uh, me, I'm one of the biggest fans of John Favreau. Like, as a director, at, like, I, I love him in, in, in his acting. Like, I love John Favreau. This is the only thing that like I cannot stand like I will never again watch this movie like this is one of the only films that I can say legitimately I will never watch again by Jon Favreau like the choices like I said they just don't make sense I I didn't like Beyonce in the role I honestly I love Donald Glover I didn't even love Donald Glover in the role like the same people who thought Matthew Broderick kind of stood out in the original Lion King. Like, did you not understand why he stood out? Like, he has a very high voice. He doesn't present authority. Like, that's why it's weird that he takes on Jeremy Irons Mm -hmm. at the end of the film. Like, it's not weird. You know, story makes sense. But, yeah, you, like, if you, if you tell me Matthew Broderick versus Jeremy Irons, I'm gonna go, yeah, Jeremy's gonna kick his ass. (laughs) But if you tell me Donald Glover versus Chef One Ecuador, I'm going to go, could go either way. Yeah. Physicality, yes. Donald Glover's voice, though, yeah. does not present that authority or anything. And when you saw Nala in the original Lion King, when she comes across uh, Simba, you know, after all those years, like, it's certainly not the same actress, but it sounds like the same character when we come across the young Nala, really the only thing she's given to do is to sing in Just Can't Wait to Be King. Like, she's given a couple lines herself. Yeah, I've heard that too, and both of the kids are trying to sing like Beyonce with the how many notes can I hit? Yeah, exactly. And then Nala's Beyonce, and she doesn't sound like young Nala. She doesn't sound like any Nala that you've heard before. She Mm -hmm. she hasn't, it's, it's emotionless. It just—it's not a great delivery. She's just waiting to sing. She's just waiting to get her song. Yeah. I also hear there's a fantastic and compelling, super long scene of Nala leaving Pride Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I think it's—I think it's Simba returning to Pride Rock. So this is where um, I tell you that the visual spectacle wore off, the performances wore off, and by the end of it, me and my kid were both concerned with how hot we were and less concerned with how much we were enjoying the movie or not 
not enjoying the movie. So we packed up in the car and left, which we were in a drive-in, so it was a double feature, and the second one was Angry Birds 2. And I told my girlfriend, if we go to this drive-in, it's going to be Lion King and then Angry Birds 2. And if we go to this other one, it's going to be Angry Birds 2 and then The Lion King. I said, I really want to watch Angry Birds 2. And she said, if we have to leave halfway through the movie or at the end of the first movie and not get to see the second one, she's like, I'd rather see The Lion King than Angry Birds 2. I'm really... <laughs> she owes you Angry Birds 2. <laughs> she, she owes me a date out to the movie theater. Kid or no kid, we're she seeing o- Angry Birds 2. She owes you Angry Birds 2 <laughs> after watching the TV show, the Angry Birds TV show. <laughs> In its no, entirety not e- I'm not even going to s- s- struggle through that. <laughs> I don't mind. It's like a little silly silent film shtick. Yeah. Um, but now, if you're gonna make, if you just make her, make her watch Ugly Dolls by herself. <laughs> yeah. Like you have like headphones I, in and you're sitting <laughs> facing away from the TV, just watching, making sure that she's watching. I've taken her phone. No, you do get no distractions. You watch Ugly, ugly I Dolls. I actually, I actually did that to to my wife and our friends when I made them watch Gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of them said that they actually enjoyed the movie, and I was like, "No, there's no way you fucking were able to tolerate this movie." Yeah, she's like, "Well, I was on my phone a lot." I was like, "Ah, there it is." Yeah. So i I don't remember how I I don't remember how we watched it, but I made all of them sit on the on the couch together. Yeah. Made all of them give me their phones. <laughs> So they all they had nothing they could do except for watch the movie, and yeah, halfway through they're going, Thomas, can we stop? No, <laughs> you have to know how bad this shit is. So yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Lion King. We we left. It couldn't have been more than fifteen minutes before the ending, and you know how they give you the radio station to listen to yeah. the dragons. So we're listening to the lions and hyenas fight in the climax of the film as we're driving away, and then it's like cutting in and out and I'm getting like some like I don't know like Motown as I'm as I'm driving further and further away the only time I've ever I've, I've done two drive-in experiences in my life I forget the first one um the second one though I saw Wedding Crashers yeah um but I literally like the way the place was set up I was sitting there watching Wedding Crashers. I got so bored that I started watching the movie directly behind us on the on the mirror. Yeah. And then looking out the side doors to see the screens on either side. <laughs> and then, because this place had like six different yeah, yeah. screens, three facing one way, three facing the other. And then using the side, the side mirrors yeah. to watch there. Literally just going from each screen, <laughs> seeing like, is there any one of these screens that has a movie <laughs> worth watching? No. <laughs> yeah well that's my thoughts on Lion King I could I, dude I could write or, or talk much more about it but you know that's that's where I'll leave that if it makes you feel any better you can do like a little mini episode to rant about it for yeah. anyone who wants to listen oh god damn I saw Good Boys that's what that's what I wanted to talk about I saw Good Boys in, a, in like an early premiere screening which you didn't get to go to but yeah. it was it was fine it was uh, it was funny. It, th- there are some characters who are not really presented in the trailers that you know play a somewhat bigger role in the in the uh, in the film, and it's it's good. It's good, lighthearted, 
you know, funny fair. I'm just glad that somebody casts, that people keep casting Retta and stuff. Mm. Who's that? The, the mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, um, the, the mom with, uh, Lil Ray. Gotcha. It's like Lil Ray and then Retta. Gotcha. Are the parents. Alright, so guys, been nice to be back with you guys. We are gonna free you from, uh, from hearing all of our rambling and rantings for, yeah. for the week. Um, if you guys want to continue to talk to us about stuff, argue with us about things that we've said on here, or agree with us, you know, whichever tickles your fancy more, you can do so either through our uh, Twitter, at Movies Work. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook. Not that anyone does. Yeah. Like, we like, really should, like, we can stop plugging the Facebook. You know, like, the yeah, like, like many people that have, that still have Facebooks that are on Twitter, we, we are constantly going, why do we keep this? Yeah. We yeah. don't use it. Nobody else does. <laughs> why bother? Um, but, you know, Twitter, at Movies Work, you can get us there. Moviesafterwork at gmail.com. If you want to just shoot us an email to give us any opinions, any thoughts, if you guys want to, uh, request any movies like we said we we do have some some movies planned out for for the month of september but you know if somebody gives us a really really good idea we are not afraid to uh to slice that in and and add it into the mix keep so. a lookout for jupiter ascending yeah keep, keep a lookout for for <laughs> jupiter ascending we, god damn um yeah we got that one i can't even remember the movies all the movies that i suggested but We've got some fun movies planned, some fun ideas, um, one or two guest spots on the horizon uh, coming in to chat with us about movies to to discuss their their quality or lack thereof. So, yeah, uh, yeah for movies after work, this is Thomas Green. I'm Alex Dios. All right, have a good wait. a good day at work tomorrow, guys. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Bye.